Hello and welcome to NetCast, where we are taking an in-depth approach to sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. I am your host, Mark Hatfield, and I hope that you are encouraged by these studies in the Word of God. We invite your feedback and would love to have you as a regular part of our listening audience. Please stay with us for today's message. I would like to begin today by extending a warm welcome to all of our NetCast listeners. Thank you for joining us for this final episode in Season 2. This is Episode 6. In this season, we have been discussing the angels of God, and I hope you have enjoyed the series thus far. We will conclude today with the subject, The Work of the Angels. So far, we have covered many biblical facts about angels, along with the content on the nature and appearances of angels. Today, we want to answer questions about what the angels do or don't do in our lives today. We also want to talk about what the angels might be doing before the face or throne of God. Right now would be a perfect time to grab your Bible so that you can follow along with our study today. If you are not in a position to have an open Bible in front of you, listen closely as we move through each of our points today and our passages of Scripture. This is an important subject because there are many works attributed to angels that the Bible never even addresses. For example, if I clip this angel pin to my sun visor in my car, will it keep me safe while I drive from one place to another? Does that angel pin represent a guardian angel or an angel of traveling mercies? This and other trends are some of the distorted practices that people have adopted and they have no biblical precedent. We will try to address only what the Bible reveals. In doing so, we will dispel many false notions or ideas that are held by those in the world today. But before we can proceed, we need to tackle the trivia question from the last episode, and I wanted to see if you could tell me about the angel that we see in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, and explain what he was responsible for in that context. No correct responses were submitted by our listening audience, so I will read the passage and provide the answer. Don't forget to listen to our trivia question each week and stop by our website link, netcasthost.com forward slash trivia, to record and send your audio file. If you answer correctly, you could be featured in the next episode. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, the prophet wrote, Now at that time Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. To answer our question, the angel here is Michael, who we said earlier in our study was an archangel, and here he is referred to as the great prince. His job or responsibility was to stand guard over the people. What works are the angels assigned to by God? What works are they still doing today? And what works have they ceased from doing? These are all challenging questions because we are not with these creatures in heaven, and our earthly experience with them is also limited. This means that all of our answers have to come from the book of God. The primary role of an angel, first and foremost, is to deliver messages for God. The word angel means messenger or delegate. For example, in Genesis 167 7-10, the angel of the Lord delivered this message to Hagar. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? 
And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so they will be too many to count. Later in Genesis 21, when Hagar thought that Ishmael was going to die, she began to cry out and the angel of God made another appearance with another message. Then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away, for she said, Do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. This message delivery work of angels continues even into the New Testament. We have already read where Zecharias and Mary were witness to an angel delivering messages about the birth of John and Jesus, which ushered in the coming of the Messiah in Luke chapter 1, 11 to 25, and Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14. Around the same time, Joseph had a dream in which an angel delivered a message to him, Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. Did the work of angels delivering messages end there? Well, there is more. In Acts chapter 27, 23 to 24, an angel reassured Paul that he and his shipmates would survive being shipwrecked. We read in an account where Paul claimed, For this very night an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Beyond their periodic messages to individuals, the angels also helped to give God's law to his people. In Deuteronomy 33, verses 1 and 2, we read, Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. And he came from the midst of ten thousand holy ones. At his right hand there was flashing lightning for them. This was in reference to the giving of the law of God, as we see in Acts 7.53. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. To finish this section about angels being messengers, we also want to mention that angels came to explain visions that were given from God. In Daniel chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, we learn, And I heard the voice of a man between the banks of Uli, and he called out and said, Gabriel, give this man an understanding of the vision. So he came near to where I was standing, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the time of the end. Then in Daniel chapter 9, 21 and 22, we mentioned last time that the angel Gabriel came to Daniel to give him an understanding of another vision that he saw. In either case, the angels were performing the basic work of delivering messages. Sometimes angels were referred to as the angel of his presence. Basically, this means that the word of an angel was the word of God, and they were not to alter the message that God gave them to deliver. The Apostle Paul even warned of the possibility of angels tampering with the gospel and said that they will be eternally condemned for doing so. If they are to preach a gospel contrary to the simple message of salvation in Christ, they were to be condemned. In Galatians 1, 6-8, we read, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, listen, 
or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Since the entirety of God's will has been delivered and is recorded in the Bible, no further revelation is being delivered by angels. Such claims of angelic revelation has led to the errors of the Mormon cult, where an extra-biblical angel by the name of Moroni supposedly appeared to Joseph Smith on his bed, giving him directions to find further revelation from God. An angel supposedly appeared to Muhammad and delivered the teachings of the Quran as well. This is error, and we are warned against an angel teaching anything beyond what was already delivered by the apostles and made certain through the Holy Spirit of God. Any new claim of angelic revelation is false and should be discredited. Listen to the writer in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, let me pause for just a moment there to say that this is also through angelic revelation, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they." We need to listen to and heed the words of Jesus. If angels revealed messages today, they would either be teaching something new, which was condemned, teaching something contradictory to what has already been revealed, which is also condemned, or teaching something that is already revealed, which is redundant and unnecessary. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness, and we are thoroughly furnished for every good work by the word of God. Now, moving on, the second work of angels that we want to cover today is that the angels praise and worship God before his heavenly throne. We have already addressed that this ministry of the angels in heaven is to offer reverent shouts to God. In Psalm 29, 1 and 2, we read, A psalm of David, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name, worship the Lord in holy array. As a recap, let us read Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Worship is an eternal work of all those who dwell in heaven before God. Since we've already talked about how the angels worship before the throne of God, we want to move on. The next work of the angels is that they work on behalf of the saved, that is, God's redeemed. Back in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, we learn, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? To minister is to serve. The service is specifically for those who are in line to inherit the salvation of the Lord. Well, in Psalm 91, verse 11, the psalmist shares, For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. This passage was misused by Satan when tempting Jesus to jump from the high summit of the temple and plummet toward the ground. 
Jesus responded that he should not test the Lord our God. By this he meant that while this is a work of the angels to deliver the godly from trouble, we are not to attempt to create the problem just to see if the Lord will respond by sending his angels. The question then becomes, do we have evidence of the angels working on behalf of the people of God? Well, consider that angels helped save Lot and his family by leading him out of the city that God was about to destroy. In Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 and 16, we see, When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. Now I want you to watch what the angels do. So the men, that is the angels, seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him, and they brought him out and put him outside the city. Beside the work of leading the godly away from destruction, the angels also provided food in a desert place. The angels fed Elijah in the wilderness in 1 Kings 19, 3-8. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. We could say this is where angel food cake was introduced, and it sustained the health of Elijah. In addition to deliverance and providing sustenance, angels also offer protection. Daniel was protected from lions in the den of death by an angel that was found stopping their mouths. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 28, the Bible records, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Then in Daniel 6.22, the angelic protection was confirmed. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Now let's go ahead and add to deliverance, sustenance, and protection the work of rescuing. An angel freed Peter from prison, serving as an escort to walk him out unharmed and unnoticed. In Acts chapter 12, verses 7 to 10, we read, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands, and the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow, and he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Let us also add to the list of the work of angels the ministry of helping to comfort and strengthen during tough times. For an example of this, we look to the life of Jesus. 
Angels came to Jesus twice in his life that we have record of to comfort, strengthen, and help him, once in the Judean wilderness after his 40-day fast, and also in the garden where he prayed for deliverance from suffering and was in great agony. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 13, the gospel states, And he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. Then in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 43, we learn, And he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Jesus also said that he had angels at his disposal that he could dispatch at any moment in a time of need. In Matthew 26, 53, the Lord said, Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? Amazing. I think it might be good at this point in our study to point out that angels don't always intervene, but they simply do the will of God. So in Hebrews 11, 36 through 40, there are countless examples of people of faith enduring horrendous pain, suffering, and even death for their faith in God. This is not a failure on the part of God or his angels to protect, comfort, and deliver you, but we understand that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the everlasting kingdom. There will be things we have to endure in this life. We could say that the service of angels today can be equated with the providential working of God. We may never know all of the ways that God has positioned angels to serve his purposes in our lives, but remember that the Hebrew writer said that we could encounter angels and be completely unaware of their presence, Hebrews 13 and verse 2. The key word in that text is unaware, and the point of the passage is an encouragement to continue to serve God as a faithful child of God, knowing that angels are able to step into our lives if God so chose to send them. We know for a fact that one day we will see the angels. They will come with Jesus to carry us home as the redeemed of the earth. In the meantime, they are before the throne of God, doing his bidding on missions that we may never be aware of in this life. One of my favorite works of the angels, especially as a child of God, when we sometimes ask, Oh Lord, how long will we have to continue to endure these things that we do in this life? Is that the angels of God trouble the enemies of God and carry out his judgment and wrath. We read the words of the prophet in Isaiah 66, verses 15 and 16, For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind, to render his anger with fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire and by his sword on all flesh, and those slain by the Lord will be many. Let us not forget that the angels are his fiery chariots on which the Lord rides in judgment. But the Lord also sends his angels, or his angel, the angel of the Lord, on missions to participate in judgment. In 2 Kings 19, verse 35, this angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, and the people of God didn't even have to lift a sword. In Isaiah 37, 36, the text states, Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians, and when men arose early in the morning, behold, all of these were dead. Paul points out in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 10 that it was an angel that killed the Israelites when they murmured against God in the wilderness, saying, Nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer, that is the destroying angel. 
This same destroying angel from Exodus 12 and verse 23 unleashed the plagues of killing all the firstborn of Egypt in response to Pharaoh hardening his heart. Listen to Psalm 78, 43 to 51. When he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the field of Zoan and turned their rivers to blood and their streams they could not drink, he sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them, and he gave also their crops to the grasshopper and the product of their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hailstones and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave over their cattle also to the hailstones and their herds to bolts of lightning. He sent upon them his burning anger, fury and indignation and trouble. But I want you to listen carefully to this next line. A band of destroying angels. He leveled a path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death, but gave over their life to the plague and smote all the firstborn in Egypt, the first issue of their virility in the tents of Ham. To get more information on the work of the angels in judgment, read the book of Revelation and take note of how many times the angels are sent to wreak havoc with plagues. For example, consider the bowls of wrath in Revelation 15, 7-8. These are poured out on the enemies of God as the angels usher in the events of redemption for the saved. The text reads, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. If you recall, an angel with a flaming sword was placed in the entryway to the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve were expelled from that paradise in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24. And the account tells us, So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. This is a form of judgment. Two angels were also responsible for destroying Sodom and Gomorrah because of its sinful inhabitants after helping Lot and his family escape. In Genesis 19, starting in verse 12 and reading through verse 15, it is recorded, Then the two men said to Lot, that is the two angels, Whom else have you here? A son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in this city, bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who were to marry his daughters and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his son-in-laws to be jesting. When morning dawned, the angel urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. According to Scripture, an angel is said to have struck Jerusalem with a plague in 1 Chronicles 21, 15, and 16. And God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw and was sorry over the calamity and said to the destroying angel, It is enough. Now relax your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Then David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven with his drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders covered with sackcloth fell on their faces. And well, we also know then that the angels will separate the righteous and the wicked before the throne of God in judgment. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 30, verse 39, and verses 41 to 43, the gospel writer penned these words. Allow both, that is the tares and the wheat, to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. 
But gather the wheat into my barn, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. We also know that the angels will escort the righteous to their rest in paradise. Luke 16, verse 22. Finally today, we want to briefly cover how the angels roam and stand watch while offering providential direction from God. In Zechariah chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, it tells us, I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on a red horse, and he was standing among the myrtle trees which were in the ravine, with red, sorrel, and white horses behind him. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? And he, the angel, who was speaking with me, said to me, I will show you what these are. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are those whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. So they answered the angel of the Lord, who was standing among the myrtle trees, and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth is peaceful and quiet. The prophet Daniel shares in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, Now at that time Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. While I don't want to speculate or spend too much time on this, angels can also be involved in politics and are not always recognized when doing so. For example, in Daniel chapter 10, 12 through 14, the prophet wrote, Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for twenty-one days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. Another example of this political involvement can be seen in 2 Kings 6, 13-18. Now we already told this story briefly as a summary early in our study, but we never read the passage. Listen to this event. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servants said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. As we begin to wrap up today's message, let us also recall that angels helped preachers of the gospel, as in Acts chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, he said, Go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. See also Acts 12, 5-17, which we covered earlier. These are messengers helping messengers. 
The angels even protected the Christ from Herod's massacre of all children under that age of two that he had set when the message came to Mary and Joseph to flee to Egypt, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. Another interesting work that angels conduct is arranging meetings for preachers with prospects for the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, 25 to 29, it is written, So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. After joining the chariot, Philip preached the gospel to the eunuch and he believed and was baptized. An angel also arranged the meeting for Peter with Cornelius in the conversion of his family, the first conversion of Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, 2 through 6, Acts chapter 11, 13 and 14. While angels cannot receive salvation, they are intrigued beyond measure by our redemption and they rejoice in the saving of even just one soul. Clearly, there may be more going on behind the scenes of our physical realm that we are completely unaware of each day on a higher spiritual plane. Remember the story of Balaam in Numbers 22, 22-35, where his donkey could see an angel of the Lord and kept stalling and not moving, steering clear of the angel, and even stopping at one point completely, while in each case Balaam would strike the donkey. Then after the third time, the donkey spoke to Balaam to reason with him, and then the angel with a drawn sword is made visible, and the reason for his donkey's behavior was now made clear. Balaam then repented. Whatever work that they do, it is limited and governed by the will of God. It is likely that when we refer to the providential care of God, that angels could be directly involved with carrying out these activities in our lives. Matthew 18 and verse 10 states, See to it that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. The angels care about God's people and are working for our salvation and rejoicing when it comes. They await our arrival into eternity and are excited to have us join them up above. One day the angels will make a grand appearance with Christ and it will be sudden and at a time that no one knows. On this day, the great judgment day will be announced and carried out. It is now that you have an opportunity to prepare for that day. If you neglect the salvation available in Christ and refuse to come in obedience to the gospel, you will be eternally separated from God in a place of everlasting torment. For those that serve the Lord faithfully until death, there is a promise of eternal life, of peace, and of rest in heaven with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, along with the saved of old and even the angelic hosts. When Jesus comes to take us home, he will not come alone. According to Matthew 13, verse 49, Matthew 16, 27, Matthew 24, 31, Luke 12 and verse 9, Jude verse 14, and 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 to 7. In other words, there's a lot of scriptural support for this. The Lord will be accompanied by all the mighty angels. Perhaps this is why the Lord confesses the names of those that professed his name to the angels of God, according to Luke 12 and verse 8. They need to know who the saved are for the harvest of souls when they come to glean the righteous of the earth. The same angels will also be responsible for blowing the mighty trumpet to initiate our judgment following the voice of the archangel's pronouncement of pending wrath. 
Then we see that seven angels are said to be pouring out bowls of wrath on the lost and carrying out God's eternal judgment. Once the saved are safe in the arms of Jesus, the final acts of the angels will be to come with a key to the abyss and a great chain to bind Satan and cast him into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever and ever. Read Revelation 20 verse 1 and Revelation 20 and verse 10. Those who elected not to obey and serve the Lord will be separated from God in that place of torment, while the rest of us are to meet the Lord in the air and forever spend eternity with Him and the angels of heaven. Have you made preparations for that day of judgment? Are you saved and faithfully serving Jesus? Are you planning to raise your voice in praise to the Lord with the angels of heaven, or will you be screaming in agony and regret for not choosing to repent and turn away from your sin? You must call on His name so that He will confess your name, before the Father, and before the angels. And so one final time during this series, let me say that here you have a unique opportunity. You can start a party in heaven today among the heavenly hosts by either coming in obedience to the gospel or by returning to the Lord in faithful service. If you would be interested in learning more, please send me an email at netcasthost at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Now that we've wrapped up Season 2, I want to announce again the next series of episodes that we're going to cover in Season 3. Lord willing, we will enter into a study of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, we learn that all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This teaching by the Apostle Paul makes it clear that we must be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The problems begin to arise when you compare the false and contradictory teachings about the work of the Holy Spirit of God that we see promoted in the religious world with what the Bible clearly teaches. And so our task is going to be to decipher exactly how the Holy Spirit works in our lives today. Be sure to take advantage of our special offer. If you partner with us on Patreon or PayPal by making a financial commitment to Netcast, we will send you the complete PDF outline for our study on the angels of God. And as a bonus, we are including the PowerPoint files as well to assist you with your Bible studies. You can go to patreon.com forward slash netcast to learn more or simply send your financial gift through PayPal using the Netcast email, netcasthost at gmail.com. If you are not in a position to support this ministry effort financially, but you do want to help, let me encourage you to do one of the following. First, continue being a dedicated listener and subscribe to the podcast. Second, share Netcast with your friends and family. Finally, leave a review for others to read. Your positive feedback can be inviting to those who want to learn more about the show. Before I sign off today, I would like to ask you to visit our social media sites. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, to name a few. On these sites, you will find updates about Netcast to keep you current on any new developments with the podcast. Let me also invite you to visit our website, netcasthost.com. You can sign up for our email list, participate in our trivia questions each week, view our transcripts of the podcast on the blog, become a member of the podcast totally free, and this will give you access to hidden features on the website like our members forum and so much more. Again, the address for the website is www.netcasthost.com. As we conclude today's episode, I want to provide you with the trivia question for our next show. Can you tell me, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19, what does Paul warn Christians about? 
Visit our trivia link at netcasthost.com forward slash trivia and follow the instructions provided to submit your answer. If you answer correctly, you could be featured in our next episode. Until then, I pray that God will bless you richly in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you.